impactful. Amen? Amen. All right. So let's give it up today for Pastor Daniel. Amen. Well, I'm excited to bring the word of the Lord to you today. Praise God. Anybody excited about the word today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just want to uh, mention a couple of things before I dig into the word this morning. Uh, As most of you that have been around here any amount of time know, uh, we are... uh, very involved in, in world missions. We are a missions church, and, and uh, we believe in the Great Commission. We believe that Jesus wants the whole world saved. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Praise God. And so, um, that being said, uh, we set a goal every year for uh, salvations. And... Uh, Last year, we set a goal for 2,000 souls to come to know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, and uh, uh, we topped that goal. We ended up the year with a little over 2,500, and uh, so I told you that I was going to share a new goal with you. I intended to do it last week, and I I failed to to do that, but uh, I want to ask you to agree with me this year for 3,000 souls in 2024. Praise God. Also, um, many of the salvations that we see come through a partnership that we have with Pastor John Javid um, in Pakistan. And we connect with him on a pretty regular basis and and do uh, online outreaches. And... um, Pastor John has been posting on uh, his Facebook page that he's believing God for one million souls in 2024. So I just want to put that out there and ask you not only to agree with us right here for 3,000, but but agree with Pastor John for a million. Praise God. And uh, you say, man, that's a lot of souls. Well, let me just tell you, in September, Pastor John had a crusade, a single crusade in which uh, they recorded, I believe it was 83,000 salvations, one crusade. Um, In 2021, he had a crusade where he had 149,000 salvations recorded and and documented. And so I want to say that just to say, You know, Pastor John's not all about uh, those big numbers. He posts those, but he also posts one saved today. You know, five saved today. Uh, So, you know, it's it's not about that, but it is about how many know that every soul is is someone that will not go to hell? Praise God. And so uh, January 27th, which is a Saturday morning, very early, uh, we will be going online for another um, Pakistan outreach, and uh, so anytime we do this, there is a need for Bibles. So uh, if you would like to be involved in 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 sowing financially toward providing Bibles for those that accept Christ in Pakistan, uh, 
you can you can do that through your normal channels of giving. Just designate uh, that for for Pakistan Bibles, and uh, we will be sure that they get the the money for that. And uh, you know when when we partner together, when when Pastor John reports a million souls in twenty four. Uh, then you will know that you had a part of that. Praise God. You, you have reward that goes along with that. Praise God. And so uh, we started last week with a message entitled Origin Story. It's the story of, of uh, uh, the human race, why we're here, what we're here for, what, what is God's uh, purpose for your life. And, uh, you know, the, I, I, this really came out of some, some thinking that I was doing some time back and just meditation, and then some things that came forth in, in various sermons over the year, uh, just spontaneously by the Spirit of God, that, that uh, uh, you know, most Christians, if you say, what is your purpose? What did God create man for? Um, most Christians would answer that he created you to worship him. And, uh, and, and while he wants you to worship him, and, uh, you know, and there, there's a reason for that, uh, that is not the original purpose for man. Uh, the original purpose for man is found in uh, the first book of the Bible, the very first chapter of the first book of the Bible. God said in, in Genesis chapter 1, verse number 26, uh, he said, let us make man in our image and according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish, the sea, the birds, of the air, over the creepy things, over everything that creeps on the earth, over all the earth. He said, let man have dominion. And God's uh, purpose has never changed, but... From Adam, we all know about the story of, of Adam, how that, that he and Eve ate of the fruit of the tree that was, uh, of the knowledge of good and evil that had been forbidden, that they, they were told, don't eat from this tree. Now, we talked about that last week. I encourage you to go back, uh, and uh, you know if I preach last week's, we won't get to this week's. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and get to this week's, but uh, go back and listen to uh, online to uh, last week's message if you if you missed that. In fact, if you if you got it, listen to it again because it's good to to rehash those things in your in your mind, in your thinking, in your spirit, and, and go over those things again. And uh, every time you do, I assure you, God will begin to speak fresh revelation to your heart. Every time we go back to His Word, fresh revelation comes. By his spirit. And so um, I want you to go today to Matthew chapter 4. Everybody got your Bible? Hold your Bible up. Praise God. It is a good thing to have your Bible in church. And, uh, you know, when I first started saying this, we were getting three or four people that were holding their Bible up. Now we've got almost the whole room. And so I'm excited about that because God's Word is. You know, it, it, it's, uh, 
it's spirit and life to you. That's what Jesus said in John the sixth chapter. He said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So if you're not getting God's word, you know, and it's so important that you not just hear what I have to say to you, but it's important that you go home and check out what I had to say to you. Make sure that I'm telling you what the Bible says. Praise God, because if I'm not, then you don't need to listen to me. But if I'm telling you what the Bible says, then you become responsible, responsible for, for what I'm teaching you. Praise God. And so uh, in Matthew, the fourth chapter, we find an account here of uh, Jesus being tempted. Uh, this also appears in Luke's gospel and briefly in Mark's gospel. And, uh, but I want to look at Matthew's account of this today, beginning with verse number one. It says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now, how many think that's a pretty common thing if you have fasted for 40 days and 40 nights that you might be hungry? Praise God. You know, some of you are hungry after about 40 minutes. Uh, but uh, uh, me included. Uh, but anyway, uh, verse number three says, When the tempter came and said, um, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Let me pause right there for just a moment. Um, when he says, every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Who is the word? Jesus is the word. John, the first chapter, bears that out. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. And so Jesus is the living word of God. And so he states here, he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Verse 5, then the devil took him up on a, uh, into the holy city, and he set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and he said, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you, your foot, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up on a high, uh, up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all of these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Now, what I want you to see here is in the first two temptations, how did the devil approach Jesus? What was the first thing he said to him? If, if you are the Son of God. If you are the Son of God. I've read that. For many, many years, and I always saw that as, in fact, I've preached out of this passage so many times, but I saw that 
uh, as the devil challenging his deity or calling his deity into question. And then just recently, I saw something fresh and new out of this that spoke to me in a different way, and this is where we're going to go this morning. The devil was not challenging his deity or calling his deity into question. What he was doing was questioning his humanity. He wanted him to say, yes, I'm the son of God. He wanted him to identify himself as the son of God. You realize that 80 times in, in uh, the four gospels, Jesus refers to himself as the son of man. But only very few times, only a handful of times, did he refer to himself as the son of God. Now, I'm not saying he wasn't the son of God. I'm not saying that wasn't important. It is. He was the Son of God. He, he is the Son of God. He will always be the Son of God. And, and uh, you know, the devil knew that he was the Son of God. Uh, and let me just throw out, throw out some scriptures here for you uh, to look at. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, behold, uh, it says, Behold, the, uh, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. You shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. How many thinks the devil probably heard that conversation? His name shall be called God with us. All right, let's look at another one. Luke chapter 1, verse number 32. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Now, notice what he said. He said he will be called the Son of the Highest. How many think the devil heard that conversation? All right, so the devil knew well who he was. Uh, in Luke chapter 1, verse 35, says, The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. So we have three scriptures here where it is stated that he is the son of the highest, the son of God, where his name will be God with us. And so uh, in all cases, the devil heard the conversation. He knew that this was the son of God. Now, his statement wasn't really for, uh, you know, to call into question his deity. The devil knew who he was. Jesus knew who he was. Jesus knew he was the Son of God. And, and so, uh, but what the devil wanted to call into question, he wanted him to agree with, well, I am the Son of God. If you be the Son of God, then command these stones to be turned into bread. He wanted him to, to agree that he was the Son of God. Why did he want him to agree that he was the Son of God? Because 
if Jesus ever did a single act as God or as the Son of God while in his earthly ministry, if he did a single act as the Son of God, he would have disqualified himself. Now, where you and I are concerned, how many of you know that you are a son or daughter of man? Come on, the rest of you, where did you come from? <laughs> you know, we're, we're all, we, don't, we don't question that we're sons or daughters of man. And so, um, because of that, the devil is not going to come to you and say, if you be the son of God. In fact, the devil, where he wanted Jesus to agree that he was the Son of God, he wants you to not know that you're a Son of God. But you see the, the difference in the way this works here. But it's because of authority. Now, remember what I quoted from Genesis, the first chapter, verse 26. God said, let us make man and let them who let man have dominion. Let man have dominion. And so the reason he wanted Jesus to identify as the Son of God was because if he's the Son of God, God gave dominion in the earth to man. And if he says, I'm God then he doesn't have dominion. The reason Jesus had dominion in the earth was not because of his deity. The reason he had dominion in the earth was because of his humanity. And we've got to understand that because, you know, we think, now from our perspective, we think that his authority was because of his deity. And if his authority was because of his deity, then that would say in our minds, I don't have dominion. God has authority. And most Christians, if you ask them uh, uh, about that or have this conversation, well, God can do this. God can. But what did Jesus say? He said, the works that I do shall you do also. But we spend our time asking God to do what God gave us authority to do. And so because we're, we're caught up in, in asking, oh, God, you know, only you can do this. Only you can heal. Is that right? You know, only you, God, can heal. So, therefore, we're asking God to heal when Jesus said, you go do what I did. But we think because of our religious mentality, we think we're blaspheming if we do that. If we say something like that, if we, we say, well, you know, Jesus sent the 70 out and he told them, get in, in your mind, these guys, when he sent 70 out, these guys were not even born again. 
They could not be because Jesus had not been raised from the dead yet. So they could not be born again. But Jesus sent them out and he said, heal the sick. He didn't say, if you will pray really hard, I'll heal the sick. No. He said, you go, you heal the sick. Praise God. He never said, ask me to heal the sick. Never said that. Nowhere. Yet that's what we do. When we talk about praying for the sick, we talk, we're thinking, I'm going to ask God, God, we know you're able. Anybody ever said God's able? Hmm? Yep. Probably every one of us in this room has said that from one time to another. God, we know you're able. God, we trust you. You're able. You're going to do this. We trust you that you're going to heal so-and-so. Really? Because everything God ever did about healing, he did it 2,000 years ago at the cross. I want you to hang with me for just a minute because I'm going to upset some of your thinking. Is that okay? Anybody ready to have some of your thinking upset? Praise God, because we're going to upset it, and then we're going to fix it, okay? So we're going to get our thinking straight. We're going to get it corrected. Praise God. Praise God. God is not healing anymore. Oh, but pastor, I thought you believed in healing. I absolutely do. I absolutely do. But God's not healing anymore. God did one act concerning your health. One act. He laid your sickness, your disease, and your pain on Jesus at the cross, and he bore it, and he's never going to bear it again. He's not, gonna, he, he's not going to bear your sickness again, ever. He did it once and for all. Praise God. L let me just... Let's go a little bit further. Did you know that God is not forgiving sins anymore? Some of you are thinking, oh man, I'm in trouble. <laughs> no, your sins were forgiven, praise God. You say, well, how did I get my sins forgiven? They are forgiven. Remember there was a man that... that uh, he had four friends. He was a paralytic, and he had four friends that brought him and let him down through the roof so he could get to Jesus because of the crowd. And Jesus looked at the man, and he said, Son, your sins are forgiven you. He said, Your sins are forgiven you. Well, in order to have your sins forgiven, you've got to confess your sins. Did that man confess his sins? We have no record that the man ever said a word. But he's just there in front of Jesus, and Jesus says, your sins are forgiven you. And then he says, because of those of you here that are all upset about that, let me tell you that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, 
I say to you, take up your bed and go home. That you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Now, you say, so, so I can just forgive sins? So if, if I need my sins forgiven, I need to go find somebody and tell them my sins and, you know, to get my sins forgiven? No. It all goes back to what Jesus did at the cross. It all goes back to the fact that he bore your sins in his own body at the cross. Praise God. Now, get this. In the mind of God, Jesus was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So you say, when Jesus said that to that man, he hadn't been to the cross yet. So was his sins really forgiven? In the mind of God, it was done before the foundation of the world. Praise God. See, we've got to change the way we think about things sometimes. Jesus became sin for me. And Jesus died because of my sins. But when did he die? Was it 2,000 years ago? That's when he died on the cross physically. But in the mind of God, it was done. The, the, see, here's how God does things. When God thinks something... It's done. When God thinks something, it's done. Now, God, why, why does that work? Because God is in a timeless realm. And so, in the, when it was in the mind of God that Jesus would be crucified... When it was in the mind of God, at that very moment, he decided your sins are forgiven. He decided your body is healthy and whole. He decided that before the foundation of the world. It was in his mind, and he had the plan for Jesus already in place. Praise God. So in the mind of God, it was done Hallelujah. So we're not waiting on God to do something. We're receiving what God has done. Now, it becomes, uh, I, I like what E.W. Kenyon said. He said there's two, two kinds, of, he said there is, there is the, um, or two sides to our redemption. He says there is the, the legal side of our redemption, and there's the vital side of our redemption. The legal side of our redemption is what God did in Christ. The vital side of our redemption is what I walk in every day. Praise God. So on the legal side, legally, the forgiveness of sin is yours while you're still in sin. The legal side of your redemption is that forgiveness of sin belongs to you, praise God. It is yours for the taking. It is yours for the receiving because it's already been done in the mind of God. Now, if you don't ever receive it, you'll never walk in the vital side of it. All right? If you don't receive it, you can go to hell with your sins forgiven. 
Because in the legal side, they're forgiven. But you didn't receive it on the vital side. So you'll go to hell with your sins forgiven. That's why it's such a great tragedy. That, you know, it's a, it's a tragedy that anybody goes to hell. It's a greater tragedy that anybody goes to hell when they don't need to, when they don't have to. Nobody has to go to hell. Praise God. But we, we've got to understand this. Now, let's get back to this issue of it being the son of God or the son of man. You see, here's what he said. If you be the son of God, command these stones to be turned into bread. Now, we know, I've, I've taught you over the last few years, that when we see stones in the Scripture, that stones are, are a type of the law. Why? Because the law was written and engraved on tablets of stone. God wrote on two tablets. Uh, stone tablets and gave them to Moses on the mountain. So the, the stones become typical of the law. I encourage you, as you read through your Bible, start seeing when it's talking about stones and say, okay, is there something here that's referring to law or grace or, you know, so, something about that? Because many, many, many times, in fact, most times, yeah, there will be. So when, when the devil told Jesus, he said, if you be the son of God, command these stones to be turned into bread. Well, these stones, as, as in so many cases, as I stated, are typical of the law. So he says, but, but Jesus said, I'm the bread come down from heaven. So here is what the devil is saying. Command the law to be turned into the bread of life. Jesus couldn't do that. So, well, Jesus, no, he, he wouldn't do, no, Jesus couldn't do that. Let me tell you why he couldn't do that. Because Jesus said, I only do what I see my father do. And here's what Jesus said. He said, what man among you, if his son asked for bread, would give him a stone? What, what father among you, if his son asked for bread, would he give him a stone? So Jesus never saw his father turn stones into bread. So therefore, Jesus could not turn stones into bread. Stones, the law, can never be the bread of life to you. But so many people are trying to eat stones. So many pastors are feeding their people stones. But stones can never be bread. Stones are not life-giving. No one, the Scripture says, is made righteous by the law. Jesus is the bread if a son asks for bread, father's not going to give him the law. Father's going to give him Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Yet, how many people do we, you know, here, here's one reason the church has been ineffective in reaching the world with the gospel 
is because people are dying for need of bread, and we're trying to feed them stones. They're dying for a lack of bread, and we're saying, if you want to be saved, you got to stop doing this. You got to stop doing that. You got to, you know, repent of all your sins. Repent just means to change your mind. Now, if you think sin's a good thing, then yeah, you do need to repent of your sins. You need to change your mind about that. But we need to change our mind toward God. Go with me. I, I, I need to go here. I'm, I'm getting way off my notes. But, um, but, but there's some things that we need to talk about, some things we need to get. Go to Hebrews chapter 6, verse number 1. He says, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God and of the doctrine of baptism and the laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. This we will do if God permits. Now, here he says that we need to leave the elementary principles of the laying on of hands. So how many know the ele- that that? Laying on of hands is an elementary principle. Yet somehow we think when we're laying hands on people that that's getting deep. But he says that's elementary. That ought to be one of the very first things. That ought to be from the very beginning. Praise God. The laying on of hands. And then he says, of the doctrine, let's see, let let me look at it again, read it here again. Not laying the foundation of repentance from dead works. Repentance from dead works. What are dead works? Is that sins? No. Dead means it is ineffective. It it doesn't have vitality. If you are alive, you have the capacity to affect your surroundings. Right? I mean, even if you're not trying to, you affect your surroundings. When you walk into the room, your body blocks light. You just affected your surroundings. You cast a shadow. When you uh, walk into a room, the temperature changes because your body is 98.6 degrees, and it can affect the temperature of the room. You know, when we, when we set the thermostat and you get the room full of people, the temperature goes up because, uh, you know, I mean, that's a good thing this morning, right? Uh, but just by your mere presence... If you didn't shower, you affected it still yet another way. Uh, but, uh, you, you know, the, the mere presence of you in the room has an effect. Praise God. And so he, he says, 
repentance from dead works. When you are dead, you no longer have the ability to affect your surroundings, to impact your surroundings. You know, the, the, if you brought a person in here in a casket and you have them in this room for a few hours, their body will change to the surrounding temperature, not the other way around. And so they don't have the ability to impact their surroundings. So when he says repentance from dead works, he's talking about works that have no power to affect you, to help you. Praise God. What's he talking about here? The Bible says that, that you are not saved by works. For by grace you are saved by, through faith, and that not of yourself it is the gift of God, not of works. So he's talking about your good deeds, your good works are dead because they have no power to impact your life. Praise God. Now, he says that, that's an elementary thing. Yet there are Christians that have been Christians for 50 years and they're still trying to impact the world by their works. Still trying to impact, still trying to impress God with their works. Let me say it that way. They're still trying to impress God. Well, God, I did this. I prayed this many hours this week. I read my Bible this many hours this week. I went to church every time the door was open this, you know. Last, last year, I had perfect attendance at church, you know. And, and so we try to impact. I helped little old ladies across the street. I gave a tithe plus more, and we're trying to impress God and impact our relationship with God based on our works, but there's only one thing that impacts and, and impresses God, and that's the work of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. So he says, we've got to repent. We've got to change our mind about these dead works. Now, to the, the, the book is called the Hebrews, the, the letter to the Hebrews. And the, the Hebrews were, for the most part, the, the I mean, Hebrews is a, ra is a race. Jew is a religion, okay? So, but most of the, Jew, most of the Hebrews were Jews, Okay? So he's talking about the Jews, and the Jews were under the law of Moses. And by keeping the Ten Commandments, they thought, if I keep the Ten Commandments, then I'm going to be in God's favor. That's, that's what the Jewish religion is all about. You keep these 613 of them, in fact. Uh, if you keep these 613 commandments, then God's going to be pleased with you. But let me tell you, God is pleased with you because of what Jesus did, not because of what you did. Praise God. And so the Jews were putting their trust in their dead works. And he says, you've got to change your mind about these dead works. Praise God. Now, when, 
when we begin, you know, he says, repent of this. Change your mind about this. Change your mind uh, uh, about these things. He says, um, and he, he, when he says repentance from dead works and faith towards God, he's saying you change from faith in your dead works to faith toward God, faith toward what he did in Christ. Praise God. Now, let's go back to this, this issue of of. Who has authority? You know, you have authority not because of deity. You have authority because of humanity. And we are thinking we don't have authority because we're human. But you got to get this. That's why you have authority is because of your humanity. Yes, you are a son of God. The Bible says, as many as believed upon him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. So if you believe upon him, you are a son of God, but that's not what gives you authority. Your humanity is what gives you authority. Your humanity, because he gave you dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over all the creeping things that creep on the earth, over all the earth. He gave you authority because you're human. The earth has he given to the sons of men. That's what the scripture says. Heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's. Psalm 115. Heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth has he given to the sons of men. Praise God. But one thing that he said here in, in Hebrews chapter 6, verse number 3, he says, and let's go on to perfection. He says, and this we will do if God permits. Now, that blew me away one day. I, I, I saw that. I'd read it many times, but just kind of, you ever read the Bible and just kind of glaze over some stuff? And one day that jumped off the page at me. Why would God not permit me to go on to perfection? Why would he not permit me to go on to maturity? Isn't that what he wants? Well, if I don't get the foundational stuff right, he can't let me go on to perfection. If I don't understand that it's not my dead works, you know, if... If I am still putting my trust in my dead works instead of in Jesus, I can't go on to perfection. My foundation's not right. You know, if I still think it's because of what I do and what I did and, and my, my uh, ability to keep the commandments and my ability, and, oh, my goodness, uh, if if you wanna if you wanna get some people upset, I hope there's none in this room. But uh, if there are, so be it. But uh, you know, uh, if you wanna get some people upset, start saying, you know, that's because of what Jesus did, not because of what you did. Well, I just don't believe you can. What do you base that on? Show me Bible. Show me scripture. What, what do you base that on? 
It's because of what Jesus did. Hallelujah. And I got to know that. And if I don't know that, I'm not going on to perfection. I'm not going on to maturity. Praise God. If, until I get that, he says we got to, to uh, uh, move on from these elementary things. We've got to get the foundation laid, and then we've got to go on from there. Praise God. Praise God. Now, the devil wanted Jesus to focus on his divinity. Because if Jesus focuses for one moment on his divinity, if he says, yes, I'm the son of God, then the devil's going to say, and you have no right to be working here, to do anything here, because the earth he gave to the sons of men. You're the son of God. So you don't have any right here because you are the son of God. Do you realize that if the Son of Man had not hung on the cross, your sins are not forgiven? If the Son of God hung on the cross, your sins are not forgiven. Why? Because sin came into the world by one man's disobedience. And sin was punished on the body of a man, the man, Christ Jesus. Praise God. It wasn't punished on the body of the Son of God. It was punished on the body of the Son of Man. Because sin came in by man, sin had to be paid for by man. This is why Jesus said, if I be lifted up from the earth... I will draw all to me. Now, your Bible probably says, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to me. But the word men is not in there. The word men is a, is a word that was added by Bible translators, but there is no original for that word in, the, in, in that context. So Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all to me. All what? You got to go back and see the context. He is talking about the judgment. And he said, and so when Jesus hung on the cross as the son of man, he says, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all of the judgment that belonged to man unto myself. If I, the son of man, be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all the judgment that belonged to to man, I will draw it to myself. And here's what Jesus said. He said, now the ruler of this world is judged. I read that for many years thinking that he was talking about the, you know, the apostle Paul called uh, the devil the ruler of the darkness of this age. But he didn't call him the ruler of this world. He called him the ruler of the darkness of this age. Because, you see, man was created to be the ruler of this world. And so when Jesus said, now the ruler of this world is judged, he says, man is judged now. 
This is why Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit has come, he will convict the world or convince the world of sin, of judgment, of righteousness and of judgment. He will convince the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. He says, of sin because the ruler of this world is judged. Didn't say he's going to be judged. He said the ruler of this world is judged. When Jesus hung on the cross as the son of man, the ruler of this world, man, the human race, you see, Jesus is called the last Adam. It was the first Adam that sin came into the world by, but by the last Adam, sin was punished. Sin was dealt with. So he said, now the ruler of this world is judged because Jesus, the son of man, hung there as the representative of the human race, and the judgment of God was poured out on his body so it would not have to be poured out on yours. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So Jesus came into this world. He functioned in this world. He lived in this world as the Son of Man. So when you see the works Jesus did, stop thinking, oh, the Son of God. Jesus, the Son of God, did this. Jesus, the Son of God, did No, Jesus, the Son of Man, did this. Jesus, the Son of Man, showed us what Adam was supposed to walk like. Hallelujah. When Jesus worked signs and wonders and did miracles, he was showing us what the Son of Man was supposed to live like, what the Son of Man was supposed to walk like. Praise God. Now, we're going to figure this thing out. Praise God. But we got to start realizing that you have authority, and stop looking to God to exercise authority in the earth because he exercised authority by sending his son in the likeness of men. Praise God. That's how he exercised authority. Jesus was born of a virgin. He was born of a virgin so that he would not inherit the sin of Adam but he had to be born here. Remember this, Jesus said, um, you know, there, there is one that enters the sheepfold by the door. He says, but there's another that enters the sheepfold, climbs up some other way. He said, the same is a thief and a robber. The one that tries to climb up some other way is a thief and a robber. He said, if I had come into this world as the son of God, I would have been a thief and a robber. But he said, I had to come in here because there is a legal door. This is why he said, you must be born again. And when he's explaining that to Nicodemus, he said, you must be born of the water. Physical human birth. He's not talking about water baptism. You're not born again by water baptism. You're born again by the Spirit of God. You're born of the water when you are born into this world. Praise God. The physical human birth. He said you must be born of the water 
and of the Spirit. Praise God. So I want you to begin to understand you have authority because of your humanity. So quit thinking that only God can do this. Only God can do that. See, we're, we're going back and we're talking about getting us back to where God originally created this to be. Praise God. God originally, this is what God ordained for Adam to walk in. He was supposed to rule the earth. God's mind never changed. Let me take you to Isaiah. Real quick. Got to do this quickly this morning. But uh, let me take you to Isaiah chapter 46. Here's what he says. Verse number 9. Remember the former things. The things of old. For I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from what? The end from the beginning. He said, I declared the end from the beginning. What did he declare at the beginning? Let them have dominion. He declared that at the beginning. He says, I declared the end from the beginning. So in other words, the fact that he said he declared the end, that means that what was declared at the beginning is what's going to be at the end. You see that? What he declared from the beginning is what's going to be at the end. Declared the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things that are not yet done. The word yet tells me that it is going to be done, but it's just not done yet. Praise God. But did you do this? Well, not yet. That means you plan to do it. You just haven't done it yet. He says, things not yet done. Saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Praise God. What is his pleasure? His pleasure is what he said at the beginning. It's his pleasure that it be done. Praise God. Verse 11. Calling a bird of prey from the east. The man who executes my counsel. What was his counsel? Let them have dominion. That was his counsel. From a far country. Now, thought about this. A man who executes my counsel from a far country. Where did Jesus come from? Where did Jesus come from? Heaven, right? He came down from heaven, a far country. He said, I'm calling the man who's going to execute my counsel from a far country. I'm calling, he's going to come to earth, and he's going to execute. He's going to do all the things that I said. And then he said, I have, uh, from a far country, indeed, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will do it. Listen to me, you stubborn-hearted who are far from righteousness. Then notice what he says here. See, that's not an indictment. But notice what he says here, verse 13. I bring my righteousness near. Who's your righteousness? 
Jesus is your righteousness. He says, I'm bringing my righteousness from a far country. I'm bringing my righteousness near. Praise God. And it shall not be far off. My salvation shall not linger. And I will place salvation in Zion for Israel, my glory. So he says, things not yet done will be done. Things that he has spoken, praise God, that have not yet been done, he said they're going to be done. Praise God. Now, Jesus came to show us how it's done. Praise God. And then Jesus went back to heaven. He says, now you're going to do what I did. Praise God. Praise God. Anybody get anything this morning? Anybody get anything out of this? Let me just say it this way. If God willed it, he said it. So you don't have to wonder what's the will of God. Because if it was his will, he said it. If he said it, he did it. And if he did it, he did it in Christ. Praise God. So whatever he said, you can mark it down, he did. And whatever he did, the way he did it is not through your works of righteousness, not through your keeping the law. The way he did it is in Christ. Praise God. So if he said it, if he, he willed it, he said it. If he said it, he did it. If he did it, he did it in Christ. Praise God. Praise God. Just Let's renew our minds. Let's renew our thinking to begin to think like God said. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you today for the revelation of your word. We thank you, Father, that this is not a, a, a unique word that is only for a certain group of people, certain race or a certain gender or a certain... This is a word that is for whosoever will receive. Praise God. Praise God. And I tell you that today, that we're moving on as Hebrews 6 said, we're moving on to maturity. Praise God. But we're inviting you to go too. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So if you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, just as God did everything in Christ, the only way you get in is by Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Praise God. But I'm inviting you today to come to the Father by Jesus. What that means is you're going to have to acknowledge that Jesus paid the penalty for all of your sins. And then he rose from the dead, having been judged as you in your place. In the mind of God, when Jesus hung on the cross and was punished there, it was you hanging there. Praise God. So your sins have been judged. Are you going to accept that? Or are you going to still try to pay for them? 
I highly recommend you accept what God has done for you in Christ. Praise God. Praise God. Because if you insist on trying to pay for your own sins, let me tell you how you're going to pay for it. You're going to pay for it by eternity in hell. But you don't have to. Praise God. Because Jesus did it for you. That's the good news. Praise God. So if you're here today in this room or if you're watching me online today, I want everyone under the sound of my voice to pray this with me. And if you pray this and you believe what you're saying, when we say amen at the end of it, so be it. Praise God. You will be saved. Praise God. It's Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. So just say this with me. Say, God in heaven, I believe that you sent your son Jesus to this earth, that he identified with me, that he took my sin upon himself, and he paid the penalty for it in full. And I believe that you then raised him from the dead, because of that, I can have new life. I receive your offer of eternal life. I receive Jesus as my Savior. I put my trust in Him for my salvation. Thank you for saving me. Now, here we go. You're about to pass from death to life. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 Now, if you prayed that prayer, you meant that according to God's word, you're saved. I want you to go to my website, wolcarlsbad.com. Wolcarlsbad.com. And there you'll find an offer for a, a, an ebook called I Choose Jesus. I want you to download that because it's designed to help you to get started following Jesus. Praise God. It's absolutely free of charge to you. Praise God. So, so do that. Hallelujah. And let us know what you've done. If you're sitting in the room today, there's a card in the back of the seat in front of you, that blue card. It has a place that says, I, I pray to choose Jesus today. Just check that on there. You can put it in the bucket on your way out, or you can leave it in the seat. Or if you're doing this online, just send us a message and say, I chose Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Then 